0: It's a dark night. dark night, it's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysis work you'd find over at MMA Junkie as well as line But on this year' program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today. Today, whatever you listen to this, hopefully it's for the fight. Um, <laughs> recording this late Thursday night, as you can tell. No, I've not been drinking, uh, so you shall not be warned. Uh, but uh, on West Coast specific time, specifically in Las Vegas's backyard, the Apex's backyard, where UFC 258 will be going down, we will be breaking down. Uh, Here too far Uh, check the timestamps as per usual to see when the breakdown starts from top to bottom And if you want to listen even less to me, which I don't blame you You can go to the very end where I recap my picks and plays from top to bottom uh, every episode here consistently Um, So I I appreciate you for joining me for that Uh, and we're gonna recap uh, I don't want to say the washing, but it feels like a wash when you end the card bad, right? But either way, you know how it is good bad in between I always recap them for you here, we'll do that quickly as possible for UFC Vegas 18. Going to give some shouts, some corrections, a listener question, which are always welcome, by the way, at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms if you want to submit or just follow along. I won't pollute your feeds, and it really does help, just like liking and subscribing to the video if you're listening on YouTube on the audio version. Appreciate that. Appreciate the new subscribers, as well as the nice new comments. A lot of you guys are like, how does this channel only have this many subscribers or this many views? I don't know either. I do know because I'm self-deprecating Dan and I think I suck. But, you know, in fairness, maybe it should be a little more. Either way, if you feel the same way, thank you for sharing those thoughts first and foremost. But also... Feel free to share and share it with others. That's how it gets it to grow. That is the best thing you can do without giving any money to the show. Uh, There are other ways to contribute, which we will get to the Amazon reads as well. And then, of course, it will be on to the breakdowns. First, just uh, to the shouts. Okay, you already got the new followers and followers and subs on the YouTube. Daniel Tom MMA to follow me there. Also, Dan Tom or at Dan Tom MMA, I'm the most active on Twitter for the listener questions, which we will get to here in one second. Um... Dan Albert, who I shouted out last week, I got his address wrong. It's at typewriting da, not DNA. Da at typewriting da. You should follow him from the fight site as well as at Edward Gallo MMA. Also, shout out to Schwan Humes at Black Jordan Breen on Twitter. B l a k Jordan Breen on Twitter. Um, gonna get him on a top five show. Long overdue a wealth of resource for women's MMA, MMA in general. Um, Just a a, a great online resource there. Um, Wanted to give a shout-out to him, my man Chase over there, who wrote me into some uh, Mighty Ducks D3 and D2 talk, although uh, he was talking about hockey on the fundamental level, why it was maddening more. As Dan Tom, you know how I tend to side-rail conversations. I was talking more along the lines of, uh, you know, um... You know, perhaps some of the early inklings of Disney being uh, having some anti-Semitic roots before we knew, you know, from the Walt to Gino Carano spectrum there. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Don't worry. I'm not going to get too much into that because, uh, well, I kind of will, I guess, because it kind of has to do with the one listener question I got. I'll try to keep it short and sweet, though. Um, I'm honest, as per usual, for better or worse, but I'm also not, like, a current events or uh, I trying to get, you know... I don't want to say even political. That's not the right thing. But what Gina Crown did is fucking wrong. I don't care. I'm not trying to defend her. Uh, but the point is, uh, yeah, uh, you know, you know, D three, you know, had some anti-Semitism too. I mean, what was that? What was that old hockey guy's name? I mean, first of all, how do you like let a coach like, oh DUI? Here's your here's your penalty. Like, go coach kids like. Jesus Christ, is that how Sandusky got his job? I mean, they would never do that these days. Like, you know, Coach Bombay, you know, here, here, you know, coach these kids, and then he teams up with this, like, questionable German guy with this thick German accent living in freaking Minnesota, right? Like, like, uh... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, 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 what's that guy's story, you know? Like, uh, please don't mind me, I'm just a German here, sitting here giving out ziskates skates. Uh, yeah, yeah, Hans, uh... You're awful mean to Goldberg, aren't you? Is, what's the deal there? I don't know what you're talking about. Goldberg is fat and his curly head has nothing to do with him being the Jewish. I didn't say that, Hans. Why are you all so defensive on that? I don't know. <laughs> Where were you again in World War II? I was not in Germany, I can tell you that. I was from Austria. No evil man was ever born in Austria. <laughs> is that a Simpsons line? I don't know. <laughs> Just saying, like. Han's a suspicious man, you know, I don't know about that, you know, and either way, um, wow, Dan, where are you going with this, I don't know, either way, I apologize for ruining my man Chase's Mighty Ducks talk, if you too have a questionable, you know, Mighty Ducks uh, theories, feel free to pass them on to me at Dan Tom MMA. Um Overs only re- re- reads in a question really quick uh, speaking of anti-Semitism uh, and Carano, his was about Stephen A. Smith, he goes, Dan, I've got a question As at Overs underscore only, I got his permission, so um, thank you for writing in, anyone's welcome to, I will answer Burgundy will read what's on the prompter, folks uh, Dan, I've got a question. Why is it so bad that Steven said he... And again, check the timestamps if you want to jump to the breakdowns, folks. Stephen A. Smithy means... Said that he doesn't like females getting punched in the face. That's not coming from some shitty place. Seems to be coming from... I don't want to see beautiful women getting hit in the head. I love MMA. Best sport in the world. I'm just confused about how it's sexist and all that stuff. would love to hear your feedback. Love the work you do. Uh, thanks for the compliment. Thank you for writing in. And... um. Although I don't, uh, I don't like to think of myself as a overly off- offended. I try not to do that. Even though I try to be more vocal about things these days, I try to pick and choose my spots. Um, even when I do have issues, I'm not trying to get anybody fired. I don't like Stephen A. Smith. I don't like his job. I don't like his style. That being said, do I want him fired? Like, I don't give a shit about his employment status. I will say though, it does suck that he does have such a platform, and that was the thing with the Gina Carano thing. Is you can say whatever you want; these aren't freedom of speech things, folks. Stephen A. Smith can say whatever the hell he wants. However, when they have platforms, they have consequences. Whether it's anti-Semitism or stupidity, um, both suck obviously. But uh, you know, obviously, one is worse than the other because. One did lose their job, deservedly so, I might add. But uh, not that I again, yeah, not that that's my goal. I'm not like that person here. Um, however, uh, I will say that I don't blame anybody for thinking it is air quote sexist um, because uh, Stephen A. Smith has not generated a well of what do you call credit for himself and in even within context he still is ignorant his message in my opinion is still ignorant uh, even by definition that he is not a female he doesn't know shit about combat sports as seen by his mitt work um but when you're in those positions and you're forced to talk you are going to say something stupid for better or worse and that is his shtick so he's going to say extra stupid shit. So I'm not the best person to probably defend him. So I already give a best, a good answer. So I apologize, Mr. Over is there. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of what Stephen A. Smith says in general, nor what he said about the females. Um, and especially being that not only does he have a big platform, but he shares a platform that's supposed to be promoting the UFC and the sport. So it's just, um, you know, he's really setting us back. You know, <laughs> he's really setting us back. So, not a fan of that guy, not a fan of that style of journalism, um, not a fan of his message, and not going to defend him here, but I will answer your question. So, thank you. All right, um, moving on. uh, We'll go to the Amazon read real quick. People, if you want to support this podcast, it's free. Of course, we do. We'll get to the breakdowns. Break down all these fights for free for years now, top to bottom. All fights, are all cards. Uh, some Bellator as well. Analysis and odds, betting, all that fun stuff. Top five shows, uh, interview shows, recaps, live event recaps, all that fun stuff. Hopefully, some more commentary. I want to do some live streaming stuff um, because. I don't think I'll ever get commentary gigs. So the best I can maybe do is watch alongs, even though they'll probably be by myself. (laughs) Um, and it's hard though. Everyone and their mother does them and it's cool. Uh, good on them. But, uh, you know, Dan Tom wants to do some of that stuff too. So I may set something up for myself to do that in the future. Um, what the fuck was I talking about? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for uh, supporting this show. We're going to get to the Amazon reads. If you do want to support, um, stuff i'm not good at self-promotion can you tell but if you guys go to mixedmarshalanalyst.com that hosts this program uh, i toggle I look to your right you will see amazon or on it click throughs, you you click through those banners there through no extra cost um it sends a percentage of your sale back to this your podcast um the on it doesn't list me a list but the, uh, amazon does don't worry your names and address aren't given to me so if you buy the ultra vibration max 5000 you want to go david Carradine on yourself don't worry, I'm not going to out you, but I will read off the product and pontificate, uh, which is what I will do now. Uh, drug use for grown-ups. Changing liberty in the land of fear was bought. All right. Some literature. More literature. Think again. The power of knowing what you don't know. It's an extra thick addiction if uh, I buy it because I don't know a lot. Uh, Conico Baby monitor. That wasn't cheap. Mazel tov to you for, for the baby. Is that is that right do I still use Mazel off Aaron if you're listening you can correct me on our preview show Aaron Bronstetter's preview show by the way follow him um, Xbox remote control wireless camo We all like hunting and playing Xbox at the same time is it the pandemic era were we that desperate to hide from our significant others we are camouflaging our remotes <laughs> just kidding I'm a PlayStation guy myself, to be honest. That being said, all jokes, not hating. In fact, thank you for buying that for the click-through. Every little helps a lot. Um, someone bought a charging cable, 10 feet, USB charger. Very cool. Ooh, this wasn't cheap. Dragon Ball GT box set. Um, GT, that... I can't remember what series. It's been so long. I remember there's the original Dragon Ball... Then it goes Dragon Ball Z, where Goku has a kid, and like Piccolo molests him, right? And, mm, Gohan, Mr. Piccolo! Damn, what version of Dragon Ball Z did you watch? Probably the Japanese one, folks. I don't know, I just remember Piccolo kidnapping Gohan's son, like, declothing him. just got really weird, and they bonded after that. It was like some some really Stockholm shit, Dan. Let's not side... You already did the, the Mighty Duck shit, dude. You really gotta... Ruined another childhood favorite for people. <laughs> Can you tell, like, this is why, like, every girlfriend I've ever had was like, well, I can't watch things with you, Dan. You ruin everything. <laughs> Easy to believe, right? Someone bought a Pumi toilet bowl ring remover. Oh, God, that's giving me flashbacks to one. Um, I teased that reconstruction job part of it. I had to do a little bit of plumbing and changing toilet bowl rings. That was a shit job, pardon the pun. Um... Hulk Me 2 Dryer Vent Cleaner Kit. Hey, man. You gotta, you gotta get to keep those lint dryers clean. Ooh, somebody bought Evil Dead 2 4K. I don't know if you need that in 4K, but I appreciate 4K, and I appreciate 80s genre horror, especially some Evil Dead or um, Army of Darkness, as uh, I grew up perusing the blockbuster videos, you know, while Joe Silva was probably next to me trying to decide what UFCs to name. Shout out to that athletic article. Um, someone else bought a, oh, this is cool. Cold Chilling Records promo T-shirt. That's a that's a throwback classic hip-hop tee there labeled. So that's awesome. Um, and that's it. Thank you for clicking on the Amazon link, clicking on the audit link. And uh, if you just want to donate straight up, there actually is a PayPal link at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. Uh, either way, it's all free. You don't have to do it. And uh, some of you uh, hit that donation too much. Stop that. Y'all are way too kind. Thank you. Um, all right, that is done at fourteen. Let's jump to recap here. UFC. Excuse me. UFC Vegas eighteen. Um, we did bad. Five and seven overall in picks. Two and three in straight plays. Zero oh and one in the one prop I took and the parlay piece was good but the parlay i teased and told you not to go on hopefully you didn't because it definitely failed um but i, and I stupidly took a, a small stab on it because i needed some chalk that did not go through so we will go through those here in a second oh boy oh boy um yeah i did i did very bad uh Good on you if you did good. Um, if you know if you did, uh, there were some good people that, that had some good winning nights, so I definitely ain't going to hate. But, uh, you know, as I was joking, you know, the, the MMA gambler, things they love to do is unders and uh, fading old guys, especially if it's in support of sexier, younger strikers. And, uh, you know, if them chalk strikers were hitting, the, the touts had a good night. <laughs> but no, just kidding. I can't hate because, A, I did shitty like I just said, and B, um there there are some good people that did well so i'm happy for them so hey man it's all good uh that being said i always own up to uh my nights good and bad try to keep my victory laps to a minimal and uh probably beat myself up harder than i uh need to um but when the nights end bad you always kind of feel like it ends bad and I definitely it ended bad for uh you know a lot of fan favorite vets and uh, for the at least the dog shots that i took um, and what sucks about that is uh, not just the taste it leaves in your mouth, but I still feel like the lessons that I've been stressing don't get learned because we didn't get to see um, Edgar or Overeem grapple for different reasons. One, Edgar got vaporized by Corey Sanhagen uh, in, almost instantly. Shouts to Sanhagen and his team. Look good. Hated picking against him there. Felt like I had a good case and some stats with me, but it did not matter. Uh, And then Overeem could not even get to the clinch, which is what I was depending on. I wasn't even depending on the finish or him getting him down to the clinch. But, you know, I I don't want to take anything away from Volkov, especially because Overeem has been way overdue to look old and that he did and looked bad. But that being said, Volkov looked good. He's been putting in the work, (laughs) suspicious or not. He's been putting in the work. He's been working his ass off and he deserves the credit. And so do the people who support him uh, hopefully you got them at dog money. Um, but even if you were laying the juice on the chalk odds, um, you know what? I can't hate, I can't hate. I know, I know I talk some shit, um, about the basic MMA gambling trends, but I'm just talking about biases and I will talk about my own biases because as I say, you should call your own biases out. I believe I did on this upcoming breakdown, which you guys will hear. Um, and, but I, uh, but, yeah, and, you know, it's it, it, those biases definitely, as much as I make fun of them, they paid off at the end. However, like I was saying, the ironic part is, up until the co-main and main, I will say the analysis that isn't talked about often enough, that I stress more than most, I would say, is the small cage in stylistic matchups, and when those two things collide, shouts to Joey Odessa on the Follow the Action podcast. I'm with him where, you know, again, I'm an anti-under guy. I, I tend to go against the typical MMA gambler trends, right, or the gen pop. Um, which there's a lot of crossover with those as well. And hey, they were right. I'm not hating. I'm just saying what it is. Uh, that being said, I agree with jo- Joey Odessa, people overvaluing these unders in the small cage. Uh, however, I still uh, you know, I still will say to anybody, even those I respect, that, that there is still some legs to the small cage and stylistic matchup theory because outside of the main and co-main event, you can look down the line and say... Whether it was direct grappling like Marquez or Guida, or you know just pressure and experience like Pantoja, um, the better grapplers, the better submission artists, the better wrestlers, uh, the more experienced guys uh, tended to win out in the majority of the cards. So my analysis actually proved right majority-wise, even if my picks and plays or the card didn't necessarily end that way. So I do gotta, God forbid give myself credit there but not really giving myself credit there the information is more for you guys to be honest that's what this podcast is for it's for you guys go fucking make some money don't follow me off cliffs use me for a reference go listen to everybody garner it up track it down see what you like at the end of the day make your own decisions Uh, but uh, man if I can help you guys which some of you uh, shouts to Chips War Medals, by the way he's always on the fantasy grind and the playing grind and uh, again he's a guy that you know what um i feel like i you know he definitely A shouts to him first and foremost B shouts to him doubly because when I do bad I'll see him tweet these things like hey shouts to you know this this and those name a list and I'll be amongst that list because he's smart he goes out there he references everybody makes his own plays so even though I lose to know that I still help people fuck yeah that's what this podcast is for baby and uh, even though I tend to see these tweets uh, on my losing nights which tells me that chips usually uh, maybe uh, tends to go uh, against my against what I go against more than a Goes with me, it doesn't matter, man. Like, that shit makes me feel good. You don't have to follow me off the cliff. I don't ask you to. um Y'all keep doing you. I just hope that you get some use out of the show. Clay Guida defeated Michael Johnson. I was on the wrong end of that one, too, pick wise. But again, I told you guys that wasn't my avoid. That was my one avoid for a reason. um Good on you if you're on Guida. uh He ended up paying off for you on that end. But man, you can't trust Johnson and his speed looks to have been gone. It's that's disturbing. Pantoja cashed. He was the only. Uh, again, I took all. DAW. I had to put uh, one chalk play on each account because I didn't have any chalk. The way I structure my things, I do need some chalk to play. Both those failed. Uh, technically, there was some chalk with Pantoja because he opened at minus one thirty. But again, sexy strikers. Uh, that that that. MMA betting money came in. I should be thanking it because it gave me Pantoja for near even. So that was like technically the other non plus money thing i cash but again the value there was just too much so uh i got at least in one of my accounts i got Dariush as a dog and i cashed that not only that it was again not anybody can pick these fights folks it's 50 50 that's why i don't victory lap too much when i do get it wrong or when i do get it right it's because it's 50 50 at the end of the day however like many analysts i do expect and the game that many analysts like us play is that We like to hope that the analysis at least holds through. Because, again, right or wrong, at least we are feeding you good analysis you can reference off of, right? Or perhaps learn off of. And um, it was uh, Darius's ability to counter and the wrestling which I emphasized. And uh, what do you know? Darius can wrestle. And uh, I I said it here. But, hey, who's listening? Hopefully you are for for the good ones, right? Um, Danilo Marquez defeated Mike Rodriguez. I picked Rodriguez and said to stay away, not just because Rodriguez gets overinflated odds, and that's kind of the obvious safe answer, but uh, full disclosure, I think I fucked up on this one because I would have picked Marquez and played it, and I will admit I sprinkled on on him on sub Um, after going back and slash listening to my dessert podcast. Again, the couple of breakdown podcast shout out to the Vivisection, one of the best out there, by the way, as well. that I'll go listen to and reference myself, right? Even I do it, but I have to do it after because uh, I have to keep my filter clean to provide you guys content and for my own conscience. Uh, however, the shuffling got shuffled around Were from Tapology to Sherdog, sure guys, I worked top down. And somewhere in my process of going from top to top to bottom, they bumped up in the lineup, whether or not it was in the actual lineup or not. They bumped up, or it was not the actual lineup, Marquez Rodriguez, right, uh, to that main card, so when I got to the bottom of the card and I was ready to record podcasts, I'm like, wow, it's weird. It's earlier than I should record the podcast. Fuck it. Let's record it. People are waiting. I didn't realize until I came across this fight that I didn't do my tape on it. And I probably would have ended up on the Marquez side. So I can't claim it now. I'm gonna. I'm not trying to do revisionist history, believe me. And congrats to anybody that was on Marquez. In fact, not only am I not doing revisionist history, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to apologize because I owed you guys better there. Devontae Smith defeated Justin James. Hopefully you didn't uh, side with me there because, again, I could not stress it enough, as I always do when my bias is big I guess, against a guy like James. Um <laughs> Boy, if I knew James, was going to cast out so much, why did well, I have to go with him early back in sparring rounds? Like, Why couldn't I have gone with this guy late? You know. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, I got love for Justin, man. I feel bad for him to see him take a loss. I am glad to hear that he is going to get another fight because, again, he keeps taking these fights on short notice. I think three of his four... We're on short notice. The only one he wasn't on short notice was Benitez. And that dude was super skilled and super experienced. So it actually shouldn't be that much of a surprise that he lost to him. No offense to James. It's more of a props to Benitez. Woo. You know, one of my favorite tough Latam guys. Uh, however, to balance out my bias, and really it would have been a hedge for Devontae if you were on the Smith side as well. I thought the under, of course the time I play the fucking under, right? It doesn't hit. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to hit as soon as Justin went for a takedown come that second round It was really weird man Like the one time Justin James tries to conserve his gas tank is a fight where he shouldn't have Because Devontae Smith was off for so long I don't know what was going on But um, yeah, I, I do feel good for Smith though uh, Again, even though my bias was rooting and, and for my guy James, of course uh, Dude, I love Devontae Smith like I said before too uh, And the adversity that he went through And then he's showing like educated jab Holy crap Uh, good things from Smith, uh, all good things there, and, uh, glad to see James will get another shot, but, man, do not follow me off them cliffs, and, uh, even though it was a light sprinkle, I may even have to pocket that, even if there's some stupid odds next time. Gotta stay away from these biases, even for my own sake. Even when I warn you guys, I'm talking to myself here, too, folks, so. Carol Hosa defeated Jocelyn Edwards. Um, I will give myself credit there, because, again, that was the one parlay piece I was really confident in, and, um... She showed why. Lord Procopio defeated Molly McCann was wrong on that pick, but again, Procopio was off for over a year. There was way too much intangibles to really know. Grats on you if you're on Procopio, but like you really couldn't have been too confident on either side. So I don't feel too bad about getting that one wrong. I'm glad I stayed away. Sung Woo Choi defeated Yusuf Zelay. This is the one I teased in the podcast. I said I was gonna look into it. I didn't say I played it. I didn't say you should play it. That being said. I could not hit the. Was the under was not offered in one of the houses, so I was stupid. And then I ended up, even though I was scared away, and I should have listened to my gut. I ended up pairing Zalal with Hosa for my chalk on one uh, account and paid for it. So, ugh. but good on Choi, man. Happy for him. Showed much improvement. Look healthy, boy. Did he and I on the scales? Timor Valley have wrestled Martin Day. He did show those naked kicks that I talked about early. It's just Day could not counter him. and Valley have changed gears. Um, Asborn. Defeated Jerome Rivera, first round KO. Thank you for Aaron and Brownstead are giving me shouts because on his preview show I said watch out for the McGregor left hand. Not only did he hit it, but as I also tweeted, again, anybody can call these fights, folks. It's 50-50, but it's the analysis. Who's actually giving you that kind of analysis? And as I tweeted before the fight, Ode Osborne, watch out for his left hand to counter specifically off of Rivera's kicks and that he did. And what kind of a matchup was it, folks? Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup again. Something that I, it's my specialty. It's why I get so damn passionate about it. I get so pissed that, of course, now that it's not a McGregor fight, we, we go back to forgetting about Southpaw for Southpaw shit. And we even had DC calling it right-hands, which I hate. I love DC, I love the commentary team, but come on, man. I, it's, just, it's a pet peeve from Southpaws of having to be oh, lefty from training partners or coaches, oh, I've got a lefty in the room. And that's annoying enough, having people fucking act like they're so imburdened by a different stance. Um, when commentators who actually fought don't call it right, I get really pissed off and I know Hardy and Cormier are orthodox fighters, but still I'm just like, god damn it, it's a fucking it's a left cross and a right hook, you just reverse it it's, a, it's not hard, folks uh, I feel bad for Cody Stammon who lost his uh, bout uh, against uh, Askar, uh, Askar Uh okay um, but yeah, uh, that's it Alright, we'll get to the uh breakdown now. Over to uh UFC uh 258. Uh, coming your way, right? Meow. Yeah, through that, let's jump over to UFC 258. We're gonna go from top to bottom. Uh, of course I got the in-depth breakdown on the main event. Kamaru Usman minus two seventy five. Come back on the challenger, Gilbert. The uh, shout out to Bronstedter loves that one, dude. I don't know, my voice always fucking sucks. Um, I may or may not have gotten choked too hard. No, not a David Carradine style choking, by the way. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, not erotic fixation jokes, really. Can we get to the breakdown? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, my my voice is always gone when it's time for the the breakdown yeah, breakdowns. Uh, <laughs> break but of course, I got this uh, main event in depth. Uh, where I talk more about their games um, and and a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about here, of course, uh, but uh, over there in written uh, with some uh, stats as well as a video uh, breakdown package for you. As per usual, MMA Junkie with the assist from Abby Subon. Thank you, Abby. Um, And of course we talked about some of these angles as well on the line movement MMA betting show. Um, Shouts to the line movement guys over there. Uh, Yeah, I, I'm taking Usman I came in leaning toward Burns and the inklings that I get as far as what we're trying to figure out who got the best to who in training I'm guessing Burns got the better of him and Burns let's just say is the more confident guy Uh, my read my inkling based on their interviews um, and me putting my pieces together that being said it's all conjecture it's all speculation don't listen to me don't listen to anybody who says they know unless they actually do know and are from that camp folks um, and even then, you never know, you know. Uh, I remember being so confident that Mike Pyle was going to kick Matt Brown's ass because Matt Brown, immortal, like fresh off tough seven, him and Amir Sadala. Some other people were training at Extreme Couture in the heyday and they came over there, and Mike Pyle and Jay Huron just fucking hazed everybody that came through, man. Those were the dudes. Um, and unfortunately, when they got into the octagon, it just didn't work out for either of those guys. Um, especially for Heron, unfortunately, right? Pyle, he's got some wins and stuff, some great wins. I uh, love Mike Pyle. Love both guys, of course. Not trying to pick, but just, you know, Pyle's always brought up for that gym fighter, you know, because it didn't always translate. And sure enough, you know, big winning streak. He's on Fox, and it's just uh, his last kind of run just gets derailed by Matt Brown. And I love Matt Brown, you know. Um, No hate toward him, but it was just like, oh, it sucked, right? And you're like, dude, this guy fucking iced him all the time in the gym. Why the heck did that? And, you know, he. It it, it doesn't always translate, folks. A lot of time it's the game day performer. And I would argue that guy is Usman, right? He overperformed in college and wrestling. He's overperformed throughout his MMA career. You know? Uh, What is he? uh, Fucking 17 1 overall? I mean. Um. So, uh, and it's weird though. That being said, like, and you know, I don't want to fucking Dana White. That I hate you know people like oh I fucking I fought as a pro like, or like, or uh, like you know, I don't want to give too much in this because some people I really like do this, but even like talking about jujitsu's fights, I'm like just say matches. <laughs> um, even the fights and fights and air quotes, I feel uncomfortable saying. For me, uh, so I'm not trying to Dana White it and be like, "Oh, my experience, or oh, other people have done it, um, uh, or anything like that." But fuck, man, I spent most of my life doing martial arts, traveling around the world, even in some cases to do it. And if an experience that I had is relevant, it's going to help me in my job. Then I I I, I will bring it up. Um, but I will only say this because a shout out to my man Kevin Sanders. He actually was in the he dropped in an old Campbell Karate fellow black belt of mine dropped in the last live chat we did when we were recapping the last pay per view with Spencer Kite on the YouTube channel. And you know <clears throat> um I did good. I I did, I did I took martial arts very seriously and I'll just I'll just say I did good but Kevin Kevin like got like highlight kicking dudes helmets off their heads like in sparring kind of shit. Um and uh whether we were choreographing stuff with you know, for fun uh, with, like, weapons, like, trying to do, like, old-school Jackie Chan movies with, like, this dangerous shit, like, high-wire stuff with broadswords and spears to sparring hand-to-hand. Hand. Like, it was super fun. But as soon as we had to actually go against each other, and we never did, in like, a tournament tournament, super low stakes, or younger kids, you know, karate. Obviously, this is not the same as fighting folks, clearly. I'm not trying to front. But just bear with me here. Um... But we would do the in-class sparring and you just, you know, kind of do a tournament style everyone would watch you. And whenever me and Kevin got paired up, it was the most boring fucking matches. We would stare at each other. Because the psychology of prior information, whether we realized it was at play, whether they or pros realize when it's at play or not, it does exist. How much, case by case, like everything, right? But... In my experiences and from what I've seen, maybe not exactly like a me and Kevin' scenario, but conservativeness I've noticed is not all that common in all these iterations from mine to more importantly what um, I've observed from the actual pros and the actual fighters right which is not me folks again I'm not I'm not don't get I'm not getting it twisted neither should you um, but what I am saying here I believe is relevant in that. Weird shit happens and not the kind of shit that neither guy is usually known for when two training partners who are very familiar with each other have to face off. Much less when it's high stakes, professional fighting, prize fighting for gold, world titles, egos, all that shit. You know, weird stuff can happen. So I would be careful about either side. Um... Part of me hopes I'm wrong, and I hope Burns wins, so in that sense, if you're betting on Burns, the underdog here, I don't blame you for one. In fact, part of me is rooting for you. Um, But I'm going to pick Usman for a five-round decision in the clinch. Again, you could make the argument, which is not not why I picked Burns against Woodley. There's obvious reasons why many of us picked against Woodley, right? But Burns was, like in this matchup technically, though not as big of a margin, clearly, the more varied and more potent fighter arguably on the feet definitely on the floor right a small cage generally generates uh, more action more finishes right that's the that's the theory the general theory the general statistic um however kind of like my theory that didn't play out in the main event but again the better wrestlers and clinch fighters and grapplers did win out other than the main and co-main event through the last card is that it can force the clinch. It can force those grappling exchanges. And Kamaru Usman just lives and dies by the clinch. And we're making fun of the foot stomps and the shoulder shrugs, but he's doing things at all levels. You know what it reminds me of? Well, it, it, just like John Jones tweeted, if you guys rewatched that or remember from the live viewing, um, and John Jones, he was spot on, man. You know, say what you will. The guy was spot on. Uh, he did remind me of John Jones in the clinch, but also Benson Henderson. Now, John Jones tweeted, and the reason why we say John Jones is because he does the overhook to a wrist control. He overhooks one side and feed almost as like a wrist feed, and feeds the opposing wrist to the overhooking side. So now you've got a kind of a cross wrist control combined with the overhook. You are delegating your arm to doing two things. Therefore. Killing two birds with one stone. Anytime you can do that in grappling, it's fucking genius. And Usman does that. In fact, you could say he's killing three birds with one stone because he will overhook, use a wrist control, and he's just driving his shoulder weight in front of you. He's not giving you head position. If anything, he's got a better head position. And now he's got a free arm. And he's really not having to drive or change a level or work that hard. He's already naturally strong he already found himself a natural leverage point that he could just lean into against the cage it's little subtle shit that's not going to make the highlight reel it's not going to gain him fans but man is it so quiet and so effective and technical nuts who love the grind like me just kind of goo goo gaga you know over over it i know it sounds fucking awful but i'm sorry it's late folks um you're getting (laughs) inconsistent dan tom here all right but um but yeah, like, uh, he's doing those things in there, and it's just really smart. And, you know, Gilbert Burns, I saw some of this in the Gunnar Nelson fight, and as well as the Tyrone Woodley fight, um, even the fight he was dominating. And he's not exactly like, um, hard to put against the cage, you know? Uh,. I believe it was shouts to Ed, Ed Gallo wrestling for MMA podcast. Uh he mentioned the word ring craft, which I don't I don't use often. Um for one I I uh I don't know if I'm like the best footwork connoisseur, right? Or like I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about that, but from a general sense, I could totally see why um, Ed was saying a lack of ring craft because Burns, not only can he get pushed to the fence, but then he's following guys around. Now his general sense of distance um, is in and out of the pocket. Uh, His fundamentals from staying on balance, delivering power, being able to throw and counter the counters, uh, slip and counter, uh, crash and counter. uh, To do these things, it's mainly offensive, but as far as strategic it's offensive or defensive, um, tactical, but as far as strategic, when you start leaning into you know cage cutting and what's the general theme, what's the space, where's your office, um, he doesn't do that. Whereas Usman, who is one of the rare guys who gets the risk, the excellent risk management rating under my rating system and my breakdowns, is the opposite. Which I'm interested in, and I hope Whitman doesn't try to change him too much. Obviously, he didn't with the short camp for Masvidal, slash, that card in general. But even now, with the second camp, and he's had time. um, Because Whitman's system A takes time in itself. We've heard plenty of fighters reference that, right? We've seen it with the Rose Namunas's of the world, Justin Gaethje's, etc. We've seen more late blossoms, even after they've gotten to UFC, slash, UFC contender championship fights. Um... But the fact that Usman's footwork was already pretty good despite coming from that same camp. Um, my guess is it comes more of wrestling, kind of the, that switching stance and whatnot. Um, some of the best guys will tell you, and a shouts to Joy Varner told me this well over ten, a decade ago um, the best wrestlers and the best boxers, and the combinations between both within their footwork, the bouncing, um, and, and the changing of angles, and the setting of angles, and the setting of traps. Um, the changing of tempos and how there's so many things that are just congruent. I don't think is the right word, but it's just kind of coming out. It's forcing its way out of my mouth right now. Um, But, you know, maybe they're symbiotic within both circles, you could say. Uh, And perhaps that's where Usman's influence, neither here nor there. The fact is what he does is that even though he's not the most defensively sound, he's definitely hittable. Right, and he seemed kind of extra hittable in that Mosfidal fight. Um, not extra hittable, I should say, but he was hittable in parts when Mosfidal was actually, when A, they were at range, and B, Mosfidal wasn't clearly saving his energy, which he was for large parts of that fight. Obviously, took it on short notice. Um, <clears throat> so I hope I'm curious to see what kind of adjustment periods we're gonna see from Usman because I that is the one thing I really like what he uh, the most what he already does from the hoofed. Uh, coming over from Hooft was that and again i don't know if hoof gave them this or what but when he shifts stances um kamara was always if you notice he's always shifting or slipping his head away from the power side so when masvidal and that's another reason why masvidal is throwing him off because he was a fighter that could switch dance which burns doesn't typically do burns can shift stance and attack but he he's not a stance switcher like a masvidal will do especially more later career masvidal right So, you see, Usman sometimes having to take more of a beat to that. But whether a guy is Southpaw like Covington or Orthodox, um, he'll find his way around. And he actually doesn't mind same stance, he'll switch to go same stance. Whereas other people, you know, we'll talk about, you know, um, Macy Barber, a lot of these karate based strikers, they prefer the open stance. Like uh, Machida and uh, Thompson, right? Um, Usman seems to prefer that same stance because they both like to calf kick and counter calf kick, and, you know, they can do that game. Although I will be curious how much Burns does it. I feel like that's one of his best routes on the feet because Usman seldom seems hurt, like attack those skinny legs of Usman, right? However, Usman's really good at catching kicks and driving to the fence, and he doesn't have to drive to the fence that far to get that clinch, right, or to score um, in the smaller cage. So that's something to watch out for. And when even if they're in the clinch, I wouldn't be surprised to see Burns maybe pull a guard or drop down for a leg lock. And of course, if they're in the ground, create scrambles toward um, Usman's legs. Um, not just because, you know, stereotypically, that's where wrestlers are going to get caught hanging, leaving their legs for the most part. A. Uh, B. Burns. And that was another thing, because I was like, oh wait, he's actually got a lot of arm bars for an MMA uh, jiu-jitsu guy, uh, especially in a... Who's fought in pretty technical weight classes like lightweight and uh, welterweight to a uh, a bit of a lesser extent, but not by a lot, right? So I went to his BJJ Heroes record, which I think I have still up on one of my many tabs. Um, and yeah, he actually has like two armbar wins. He has more armbar wins than MMA. Granted, you look at like the guys who he was, you know, f- facing, you know, like, you know, Lucas Lete and fucking. Uh, J.T. Torres is of the world, the Andrew Lowe, right? Um, so, and a lot of these guys multiple times, uh, but if you look like like many uh, jiu-jitsu guys, the leg locks aren't as known, and after he got caught with some leg stuff, it looks like uh, Burns added it to his repertoire like most guys, right? And then you see him start tapping guys with legs, right? And then, as I talk in my breakdown, he links up with American wrestlers, from Craig Jones, who's going to be in this corner, to who he doesn't no longer work with, but working with catch wrestlers like my old coach, Neil Melanson. And you can see Burns took from all these styles, like, really smartly. So he wasn't just a gi guy. He accomplished stuff out of the gi as well. Took from all these different styles and submission styles, right? Uh, and then when you look now at MMA more, he's, like, going back toward the legs again. He's making that similar evolution. Like, a lot of guys are, so it makes sense to get get savvy with that game, Right. And you see it. Um, he's always going for those. So uh, I definitely feel like that leg lock is going to be like probably the most. Like, if Burns going to win, most likely path, decision, knockout, submission. If I had to pick under the head of the three, uh, he could definitely win of any three, by the way. Uh, but I would say submission. And then what kind of submission? I would say leg lock. Um so good luck if you're playing that. Um the only plus money I would play on the Usman side is the decision prop, which is still at plus money. Uh but I think it's really gonna get I hope I'm wrong folks for many reasons. Um but I think we're gonna get a boring Usman win in the clinch. So good luck to you if you're on the Burns side. I'll be happy for you if you cash. Um but I think Usman rolls here. Uh so yeah. Next fight. Alexa Grasso minus 120 just by opening at plus one ten. And despite opening at minus 130, Macy Barber is still an underdog, although the line is tightened back up despite uh, not a complete overcorrection as she sits at plus 100. This is like dogger pass written all over it. I'm not changing my pick from Grosso. Um, and it's not because I'm hating on Barber. I like the karate styles, although, you know, I also love me some Latinos. Oh my God, Grasso. Dan, stay on target. Stay on target. Sorry. <laughs> that meme where it's like Superman covering his eyes. It's like ah Latinas my only kryptonite. Um it's true they are my <laughs> Latinas are definitely Dan top kryptonite. Colombians. Oh. Um Jesus Dan. All right. All right. Stay on target. Uh she's she's this girl's from Mexico. Hey I love all right Dan. Um no, I um yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it didn't matter the way you open this line. This this fight should be tight and was going to the line's going to bounce. Um, I almost want to stay away because it just feels like everyone's like hard on one side or the other, which I always hate those fights and they usually make for some (laughs) unfair victory lapping. And this fight may make for some pissed off people because I think it's going to be close folks. I think it's going the distance and I think it's going to be close. Um, so I have not played any money on this because I missed the dog boat on Grasso and I don't want to lay money on chalk because Grasso gets hit with a lot of left hands um and granted it's I think she's gonna be facing some Southpaw left hands, but that's Barbara's best shot. Um that being said, if she can survive those left hands in the first round, which again, straw weight slash flyweight, slash female, slash tough Mexicans, I would say the percentages are in are in her favor. Not saying she's gonna win, but I would say the percentages are in her favor to survive, and I think she can just pull away down the stretch in rounds two and three. Um, Especially with Barbara's ego and and not sounding like she really learned the lessons maybe she should have by not crediting the loss. Take the L. A lot of people ain't taking the L, right? Uh, This year. (laughs) From top down. Um, uh, So we'll see. Because the thing is, it's like, oh, Barbara, she's got gnarly elbows from TKO ground and pound. But, like, if you go look, even, like, in her LFA fights, at least against, like, More notable people like even like Mallory Martin, like it was off of like sloppy mistakes off Martin and reversals, from like Martin having her back to her to get on top, or you know, it was like karate trips that were counter takedowns in the open. They weren't against the fence kind of stuff. Where Grasso can't hang out, but even in the small cage where she recently fought in this very apex, she still showed really good lateral movement, Alexa Grasso did. Um but, you know, as we saw, man, Kim touched her up in that first round. Um, And Grasso can, you know, get off to that a bit of a slow start. So that first round is going to be tough. That being said, I think it's only a standing threat in comparison to the takedown threat. Um, Grasso, you know, I-, I don't know how much wrestler she's working with when she says she's worked through wrestling. But her scrambling has gotten better. Her takedown defense still lacks. She's still a little too willing to go for submissions. But... Let's be honest, She should have got that decision if it wasn't for, inc- you know, inc- not just incompetent judges, because that kind of is a, you could brush stroke that for anywhere, but inexperienced judges when we get to these uh, more inexperienced markets. That was in Mexico City. Crazy night all around there, right, folks? Um, remember that one fucking referee they had? It looks like he was stealing people's souls. He had the long hair. Anyways, um, <clears throat> but yeah, like... uh Grosso should have won that based off damage and submissions, even against an experienced, really good wrestler and grappler like Carla Esparza. Um, so, you know, that impressed me even in a quote unquote split decision defeat. Um, and I don't even think I was on Grosso, so I'm not like speaking out of like sour grapes or whatever you want to call it, like just for calling what I saw. Um, whereas Barbara's got to come back from, you know, a big layoff. She's not fought in the pandemic era. And I still haven't seen her hit, like, competent takedowns from the clinch, which I think that's what she's going to need to do. So um, I think Grasso can break away and will be the more active girl in the clinch. Um, can she still get lit up there? Uh, she could if she stays there too long, but I really think Barbara's going to have to work to keep her there, much less get her down. Um, and even if she gets her down, I don't know if, like, yeah, she's got good ground and pound, but will that go against her, against an aggressive submission artist? She postures for an elbow and gets triangle leveraged on. You know what I'm saying? Um... I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I feel like this fight, you know, is probably going to go long. Um, the over is way too juice to touch, so it's kind of like an under pass, a dogger pass. But I don't think the under is going to hit. And at least who the dog is now, I'm not on them. I'm on. I'm not on either. But uh, at least who the dog is now, I'm not. I don't. I don't I like them enough stylistically. So I'm going to take Grasso. More experience, toughness, more volume more active in all positions, um, doesn't get um, mentally broken, you you know, and has only been stopped by Phenom level, Tatiana Suarez, who looks like a damn bantamweight in there. She's a beast uh, and has all the wrestling that um, Barber doesn't. Also, something I didn't mention on the line of MMA betting show is that I did mention that what worries me here, another reason why I don't want to back Grasso at even playable chalk is because... um, not just the left hand, but Southpaw. I think Barber's going to fight Southpaw. And there's no Southpaws in her camp. And like we saw with Aldana. And we haven't seen a... What do you call... Um, Grasso fight any Southpaws from Invicta to UFC career. She hasn't fought any. That was the same with Aldana. And when she finally did, she looked terrible. I mean, talk about Ringcraft. She was just following all the wrong sides, right? It was terrible. Um, it was just chasing, obviously, trying to get to the outside foot, making it obvious as day. So it's like... You know, does that Lobos camp, can they not train against Southpaws? That's war- that could be worrisome. So that's keeping me away from playing Grosso. So even though I'm not on the dog or the under or any of these things, like good luck if that's 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 your side here. I, I, I'm I going to go Grosso by decision. And even though I just threw shade and suspect on Grosso's camp, one thing I didn't say in the line of MMA betting show is that Barber is not with Rufus Sport, and I don't like that. I especially don't like that she said she needed better, like, training um, in, I think it was with the interview with Aaron Bronstetter, and wanted to go with, she's always been with Izzy Martinez, I guess, but, like, and that guy's a wrestling guy, who's worked with, like, John Jones, Yair, the Pettis Brothers for short periods at the time, and, um, I don't know, You could be a nice guy, but, like, he's apparently the guy that, like, is credited for, like, trying to party with John Jones, and one of the yes men leading him in the wrong way, let's just say I've gotten, like, Malky, like, who are just... I've gotten John Jones vibes from him, Malky Cow. Cal- just anybody who's, like, I kind of suspected to be douchey and has proven it tenfold, um, I get those vibes from that Easy Martinez guy. And the other person she's working with instead of gr- do groove is the troubles me, who so she's substituting for striking, which is Mike Valley. And I, this guy could be the nicest guy in the world. I feel bad, but, like, whether it's Yair versus Frankie, um, Juliana Pena, I mean... Even when she's won, her striking doesn't look great. Um, if it, when fighters are working with that guy, it's like almost an auto fade, for me. Um, I've I've been saying it for years now, and I'm pretty much right most of the time. <laughs> and I, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. I don't. I don't I just for me, like again, just seeing Yair's fucking flashy striking from only one side when he was doing that shit when he would never use his fucking left hand, it was all right. Or left kicks and right hands. It's like the same shit. Um, and like every, for the like gears, every pad work video I could find the guys doing, it's fucking impractical. It's like stupid spin shit. Like, Taekwondo black belt. kempo Karate black belt speaking. I love spin shit, by the way. It just, it looks like the most impractical stuff. Um, so, I saw that and i was like, oh boy, this is, alright. I do not like the corner she's coming in with either, so uh, give me Grasso here. All right. Next fight. Uh, I'll try to blow through these rest of these pretty fast. Kelvin Gastelum minus two thirty. Ian Hines plus plus one ninety. This is on my fight to avoid, man. Um, Gastelum's young, uh, you know, it, it's definitely worrisome. You know, we were talking about some of the intangibles and you know, the flags and stuff. Um, I was speaking with Dan Levy on the alignment betting show about that. And I don't disagree with any of those, but and I even borrowed some of Dan's theory of this, is that as if they're young, the good thing about if they're young, Gaslam's 29, is they have time to work through these things. So I warn anybody, you know, uh, you know, fading Gaslam just to fade Gaslam here. That being said, Heinisch, it, I still don't believe, that. I still don't get how Heinisch won that says if I had a fight. That really blows me away. It, it's still his best win, in my opinion, when you look back and look at his record. And, like, there's just no way he should have won that fight, going to Brazil on short notice like that. But he is like one of those dudes who's an overachiever. So um, that alone scares me away. Although he didn't uh, finish his camp at Extreme Couture. I think he's you know, working a bit with Factory X, um, which I like Factory X. That's his normal camp there that he'll commute to and from. But I believe he's been on a, like a camp or a farm in Wisconsin or some shit um, and commuting down to Factory X back and forth. So I don't know what his training's been like. But uh, if he's with Factory X, that's that's good for me. That being said, I'm going to pick Gastelum here. Heinish is 2-2 two two against Southpaw's three 3-2 if you want to give him that contender series win against that dude who was like 0-2 in contender series fights. Uh, and that fight was, of course, by ground and pound anyways. Um, didn't really have to be, you know. And then his Southpaw loss doesn't age that well. You know, Marcus Maluko Perez. Uh, Derek Brunson doesn't get enough credit, but, you know, that was the other Southpaw loss. Um, I'll take Gastelum here. And another, another note thing, I was thinking out loud, but I, I'm going to pay attention. I'm not throwing shade or suspicion, but you got to think critically, right? And I was thinking, like, what if Heinish wanted to just fight smart like uh, Darren Till and just change things up and stymie Gastelum in the clinch? You know? And Gastelum did not have the best answers there, maybe necessarily, right? But I'm like, wait a minute. Um, Heinish is usually good at when guys are trying to you know grapple him against the fence a and then b i'm like what factory x fighters from any weight class have really used wall work as a part of their game plan much less to win a fight and obviously i'm sure they and every other major successful camp like that camp works wall work folks i'm not saying they don't i'm just saying some camps work it more some camps are better at it than others right and that's maybe just not a strong presence to be fair for Factory X I'm not sure so that's something to watch out for I'll, I'll take Gastelum this on my fight to avoid for that reason folks I ain't gonna pretend to have answers and cause this, this is just a it's just a weird fight um, Bobby Green minus 260 Jim Miller plus 220 Green opened at 300 I believe that's more the appropriate line I think he got down to like minus 225 or 240 or something like that and like now it's kind of creeping back up Bobby Green I hate to say it's probably one of the safer parlay pieces it's a terrible stylistic matchup for my. You know, you know, I'm a Jim Miller dude, but this is a terrible. I don't even got to pull up Bobby Green's Southpaw record. It's a terrible matchup for Jim Miller. Um, like kind of said on the line movement MMA betting show, they didn't give him. And you go to MMA Junkie Radio. Great freaking interviews. Great interviews, um, especially in the show Jim Miller was on. Um, Jim Miller did not sound too confident. He was, and he's just too honest for his own good. He didn't get a lot of prep for this camp. Um, And uh, Bobby Green's got a tough style. Jim Miller's not going to be able to take him down. Even if he does, Bobby Green's going to be able to scramble uh, because he doesn't get enough credit for that. And it's not going to be like the Tiago Moises fight where Bobby Green out-technicals him and then has to both, A, make a stupid decision and the classic shit that, you know, Dan Tom loves when athletic guy gets out-technicaled and then does athletic thing to win round or fight. Um, And that pretty much happened to Bobby Green with major assists from Bobby Green. Uh, And I don't think that's going to be happening here. Um, I think Jim Miller starts going for calf kicks if he's smart, but then Bobby Green does what he does and starts switching stance and shooting straights down the center and uh, Fs Jim Miller up. I don't know if he gets it done inside. I hope not. (laughs) And you normally Bobby Green, because he just keeps fights closer than they need to, as I learned the hard way in my last out. Although Bobby Green in the pandemic still is did plus money for me. You know, he won more than he lost. But uh, as we did see in his last fight, he fights more closer than it needs to be. Um, these dudes are both showing up for their checks. So I think this goes to the decision. And it, but it just gets really ugly for Jim, unfortunately. Uh, I'm staying away because I, I don't think I can lay chalk, much less lay money, much less chalk against my boy Jim. But I don't blame anybody using Bobby Green for your parlay pieces. Um, next fight, Julian Marquez minus one sixty five, Maki Patolo plus one forty five. Um bias on both sides. I like Marquez, I'm picking Marquez, but I like Marquez is a dude like you know, I have done his like YouTube channel shows, uh, you know, like full disclosure, like, you know, I think this is public science. The dudes, you know, you know, come over to my house to hang out and we'll watch like late night fights and watch cards and live tweet car- cards and shit before. like. So um, I got to state that bias and I, for one, and I don't do it just to state bias or to name drop, by the way, again, this is relevant because um, the dude is smarter than he leads on. And that's something I got from him. And if you watch his fights, you can see inklings from that. Even in the split decision loss where he had one arm, to Chirico, um, like, you see the Kimura trap that he does. And, like, this guy's really underrated on the ground. Marquez is. Whereas Patolo, I love Patolo. I love my Hawaiian brothers. And he's going to have my, 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 my real brother there. who is real brothers get. Um, Vanilla Gorilla, Eric Nixick. So I got biased on both sides of this fight, folks. <laughs> Take that for what you will. Will not be mad if I'm wrong. You know Hawaiians from Extreme Couture, especially coached by Eric Nixick have, uh, I think, went 3-0 recently, but uh, on the last times that's happened, when in that exact combo. So take that for what you will if you're playing that. Um, you know, Maybe you put a little bit on Patolo, although Marquez is still playable chalk. You're having to play chalk, and he's coming off of a three-year layoff, although I do like that it's delayed because he's been able to do multiple camps and stay in shape. Um, Marquez looks tip-top going into this one. So I will say Marquez by submission is pretty live with the Darren Stewart mention and the Marquez being underrated. I mentioned that for a reason. And plus 550, you can get Marquez by sub. Uh, I think that's worth a sprinkle if you're looking to play Marquez. Otherwise, just take the dog or pass. Um, But I think Marquez uh, wins here. It's going to be too big, um, ready for the action. That being said, if Patolo knocks Marquez out, like, can you be that surprised the Coconut Bombs gets it done? <laughs> no. He's small, but I do like him at 185. Adolfo Vieira, minus 400. Anthony Hernandez, plus 325. This line stayed exactly the same because it's super high, but everybody agrees where it's at. So, you know, you want to throw him in some stupid juiced-up parlay, that's probably what he's going to be used for. Go ahead, I guess. I think he rolls by sub, which I'm sure is probably like, what, let me guess, minus 150. Vieira wins by submission, minus 165. Close enough. What did it open at? Good. <laughs> it opened at minus 175. That's hilarious. Okay. Um. Yeah. No offense to Fluffy Hernandez, but uh, I got Viera's black belt over his blue belt. Um, Bilal Mohammed, minus 470. Diego Lima, plus 375. Um. I think. Uh. Ball all rolls here, but, like, for the price, um, I'm not touching it. Again, that's going to be in the juiced-up parlays that people will be playing, I'm sure. Um, Diego Lima, by the way, trained with... Oh, we'll get to who he trained with. Um, that'll come in handy. Mallory Martin, minus 145. Pollyanna, Viana 125. Um, the pick is Martin here, and I was going to look to play Martin as her line's going down, but her line is going down for good reason, because I forgot that Martin got... Fucking iced with the same right hand that Pollyanna Viana iced Amanda Hibas with, um, so that scares me. And Mallory Martin, I believe, has also been armbarred. Um, even though she's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training with elevation, I like that. Uh, but Pollyanna <laughs> Viana is also a brown belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, has a shit ton of uh, grappling accolades on paper as far as championships, local and uh, state. <clears throat> some in Sao Paulo and so on and so forth and armbar seems to be her move as well. Um so in other words I'm going to pick Martin but Viana is like has shown that her two strengths or the two ways that Viana has been susceptible both on or that Martin's been susceptible on the feet and on the floor so Viana's going to be live the whole time so to me this is dogger pass. I, in fact I don't blame anybody playing uh sprinkling it on some some of the dog here, but um, I'm going to pick Martin, um, think your physicality, toughness, uh, willing to go to the adversity, elevation training, and the improvements from there, um, from a, a training aka prior, um, I'll take that, but yeah, not confident, that's um, that's on my avoid list, in fact, for me, doesn't mean you, again, I don't blame you for sprinkling on the dog, if you are, Chris Dudier is minus 135. Andre Ull, plus 115. Um, This opened... Hold on. Minus 190. So I could play him now and beat the line. However, I'm going to wait to see if this goes under minus 135 to play. And I left it off my play sheet that I'm writing him now for line movement because... Even though I expressed interest, as I said, I'd be watching the line movement, and I am interested, and I am watching the line movement, like I said, on the line movement MMA betting show, not going back on my word. However, going back on my words that I give you guys, hey, man, even, you know, I joke that, you know, I call it my biases, and you got to call it your biases, you know, you should, but, like, honestly, like, uh, I got to really call mine out if I really say it, right? And, um... Andre Ull probably th- thinks I hate him because I always pick against him. But, again, like the Montel Jacksons, you can see why I faded him successfully uh, for gassing. Or Shadow O'Malley's, you can see why I faded him successfully for injuries. When you get these tall guys cutting into these lower weight classes, I just hear, stopwatch because there's not a lot of time. It's not good for them. And Andre Ull is always gassing out. Now, he's improved a bit. He's improved his takedown defense, his grappling. He's doing what he's putting the work in. But he's going to be 34. It's a weight, Already a big weight. I don't know how much better the gassing is going to get. Chris Gutierrez looks older, but is, I think, technically younger. Much more experience. Um, it's hard, you know. He didn't fight Henan Burrell, but, you know, was that Hennon Burrell that Andre Ull fought? You know? And he barely won that, right? The corpse of Hennon Burrell. Um... You guys know my feelings on that Martinez fight. Just the fact that you can be double over and run away and get a round scored for you. Like, for those of us who've actually, like, even, not even the thought, like, even if you spar and hit a guy with a liver shot and you just watch their face change and you watch their body kind of crumple, oh, my God, it's better than fucking sex. I swear. Holy shit. Um... But anyways, I don't have a problem with uh, Ull winning the Irwin-Rivera fight. I actually scored it for him, I believe, so. Again, I'm not hating on Ull here. I think I picked him in that fight. See, I didn't always pick against Ull. picked him last fight. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I like him here. I think he gets kicked apart. Um, I know it's orthodox southpaw, but, like, Gutierrez can switch stances. And so could Ull. so he's going to have leg kick looks, and he's going to have body looks all day. Um, you know, again, Martinez, who I already thought beat him, clearly in my book um, comes from the same camp, same training partner, Southpaw, right? Good training partner to have. So uh, I think Chris Gutierrez is going to be very prepped. Um, even though he got to draw Durden better than people give credit for. I know that didn't age well because he lost to Jimmy Flick by the crazy flying sub. But uh, if you look at the actual like wrestling and counter-wrestling stuff, which I know he's not going to have to worry about here, like Gutierrez does some really technical stuff, and he is getting better um, other parts of his game. you know, So that's that's something you want to see. So I'll probably be throwing a little bit on Gutierrez, but I'm just super biased. That's why I'm not telling you guys to go out. and I'm not making him an official play because I haven't played him yet. But my intentions are there. But, yeah, my bias, I got to I gotta check myself. And uh, I have a feeling I may lose money because Will could definitely come away with a close decision because he's headhunting the whole time. And, you know, it's like with Martinez, like, maybe the judge gave him the 37 because he got the quote-unquote knockdown on Martinez, but it's like that fucking, it's like one of those fucking, uh, what do you call, uh, what's the weasel penguin guy, um, Perez, um, Alejandro Perez, you know, like him and fucking... so where like Sukumtot's kicking, just like Martinez is, another Muay Thai guy, and they punch him as they kick, you know, it's just like a well-timed punch. It doesn't, like, I think even like the Sukumtot, like, they the punch doesn't like, even land on their chin, it hits him in the chest, but it looks like it lands on the chin, and it looks like a knockdown, even though refs, if they knew anything about kicks or leg kicks, they would understand that it was just off balance, and the fighter gets right back on the clock and will like land three strikes, but they're like, whoa, knockdown, boxing, that's what gets around. I don't know what the fuck I'm watching, so huh. Um, so I could totally see Ul getting like a bunch of those as well, like saving his ass, like losing like fucking four to one in strikes to the body and legs, but then, you know, getting a couple couple shots up top, right? That are really like visual. So yeah, I'm kinda scared off of that one. Next fight, Ricky Simon Vato, minus two forty-five. Brian Boom Kelleher, plus 205. Um, I really like me some Brian Boom. I hate picking against him. Um, even though I don't often, I don't think. But I was looking at him here because, he, you know, he's live, the more potent finisher, but kind of similar thing. Yeah. Um, it's the wrestlers in the small cage, man. I'm not going to go against that. And especially Ricky Simone. He's got so many different types of shots. And even on his level-changing reactive shots, I like it because he doesn't necessarily have to go super low. In fact, most times, even when he's not facing the super potent guillotine threats, he'll throw his head right chest level, which I love. It's just that money spot, you know, to, like really, to really take off of the strike zones and not put yourself in like direct knee territory or direct guillotine territory, driving your head right in the chest. You know, Chael would, speaking, you know, train with Chael, right, go figure, but Chael would really emphasize that when he would do his power doubles, right, when he would just blast through guys, blast doubles and run through. Um, there's a lot of that in Simone. Simone, that though. Um, he also is really good about clearing the legs to the other side, so in case someone is trying to grab a guillotine, and I keep emphasizing on guillotine because that's definitely Kelleher's best move, um it's what keeps guys away and and and, and in fact kelleher is usually the one that's shooting on wrestlers uh although those stats can be deceiving like he gets a rest, he gets a takedown on stamen but that was like stamen crazy circumstances early pandemics damon lost his brother it was at 45 that was at the very end of the round Stamen already looked like he was giving up position. Slash was going for a guillotine, so he gave the takedown. I mean, you gotta watch the fight to understand context. You can't you can't just go off these stats, right? Um, so, in other words, he, I definitely don't see him taking um, Simone down. We've seen Simone dictate wrestling against good wrestlers like Rob. Uh, we've seen him deny guys like yeah, yeah right, when he wants to play that game and strike. And we've seen him mix it in with with, with guys as well uh, who have decent submissions, but he, like like Borg, but just, uh, you know, who are good submission guys and really good scramblers. And he still outdoes them, right? Um, so for me, it's more he can get subbed, but I think he's got to get rocked first, you know. He's got to get stung, which he can. You know, we saw him get stung by uh, counter right-hands against Vets and Anderson DeSantos and Uriah Faber. And uh, Vel- actually definitely hitting toward that vet territory, but um, what you notice, and the commentary picks up on this, is that he does his best work going forward. Not only that, but there's not a lot of counters that um, Kelleher, um shows, especially the kinds that like I'm looking for for a guy like Simone. Um, does he have them? Of course he does. Does he have checks? Of course he does. Will he throw them? Of course he will. Could he hit him? Of course he can't. Um, but but it's not a consistent part of his game. His striking, especially his more newfound and advanced uh, striking, um, it's coming forward. And also the power and the durability that's been improved that could have something to do with the fact that those last three fights over the past year, Kelleher has been competing at forty five. He's now gotta cut back down to a thirty-five to just face a monster at thirty-five, right? Um so yeah, I actually like Simone a lot. Um Again, maybe you pair him up with uh, Bobby Green or something, or and then you add the Adolfo Vieira or something, and you do a little three-way action, menage en Um <laughs> I don't know. It's not my style. It's not what I'm going to be doing. Uh, but I do have people ask me for, like, you know, there's a lot of parlay players up there that hit me up. So, um, you know, as far as chalk pieces goes, maybe maybe those are your combinations. of Do what you will, but uh, be careful. Be careful out there, you know. Uh, playing them chalk. Um, But, I got Simon Votto by decision. Uh, Good luck if you're taking a shot on the dog, though, man. Um, Speaking of taking a shot on the dog, Gabe Green minus 140, Phil Rowe plus 120. Let's see what this line opened at, actually. Phil Rowe opened at plus 125, so it's not, you know, not much uh, much change there. This one's strange. Gabe Green impressed me, um, but I like Phil Rowe here. Um, I think I would like Phil Rowe anyways because, you know, I gave him the A. I was at that fight with Leon Shabazian. This is the fight, by the way, of both guys who knocked out Leon Shabazian. And that fight was crazy because fucking Edmund Shabazian was like freaking out. Like on security, fucking Phil Rowe's people, fucking his girlfriend. <laughs> like, dude, it got ugly holy shit. Like, I was barely watching the fight at certain points. I had to go back and watch it when I got home to write up on it. Um, where I gave Phil Roa A, and we haven't got to see him for unfortunate, you know, canceled coronavirus. He had to withdrew, etc, etc. But it looks like he's been getting to work at his home gym there at Fusion XL. Um, the guy, I believe, is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. And He's got a legit ground game from what I hear uh, shout out to the verbal tap casts. They had Daniel Martinez legit grappler up there who's not afraid to give his opinions um you know if he doesn't think give I think the guy's off to par or, and he had nothing but good things to say about Phil Rowe he says he's a legit grappler, but if you look at him, Phil Rowe looks like you know the second coming of Neil Magny, you know looks like a but with like knockout power and more um more aggressive. I was going to say explosive there. Oh, he's getting racist. Uh, no, but yeah, a little bit of that too, right? Um, but no, he's, he's kind of like the, the guy who's just like, well, uh, turn things around in the clinch and like uh, underrated ground game. Uh, not using the reach as much as you like, can get, can get circled back to the fence, which is a big worry here. We saw him get dropped, kind of caught cold. Granted, he was going against a guy with size parity, which he admitted Um, he's not used to, so it took him a a round to get used to Leon Shabazzian, but after that, he was the one hurting Leon on the feet before polishing him off on the floor, right? Uh, Whereas Gabe Green's only a 5'10 for a welterweight. Um, Not very big, and that's because he hasn't competed at welterweight much. Um, When he's fought welterweight, I believe he... One of his losses as a pro is at welterweight, and his other loss at welterweight, I believe, comes um, to Jylan Turner at 155. Mr. Turner, another um, long striker. Granted, Turner is a southpaw, um, like D-Rod, where his other loss is. So maybe there's a, a theme for southpaws to keep a note for Gabe Green. Uh, however, Gabe Green can hit, man. Uh, he's a nice guy who can hit hard. Um, and he's game. He's going to, you know... He's gonna go, but both guys have been stopped too. You know, both guys have been knocked out. Green caught cold in the first rounds. Um, tall guys. And Phil Rowe could definitely do that to him. Especially if, you know, he doesn't have that size parity like he cited that has given him trouble in the past. Yes, Phil Rowe's been knocked out before, but that was earlier on in his career, like almost six six years ago. Uh almost seven years ago, I should say. Um he looks like he got caught cold there. Neither guy has really been to the decision much. Gabe Green, his first decision was his UFC debut, so that was all kinds of weird. That performance. And D. Rod, as much as I like D. Rod, he's also been you know, he almost had as much money taken by Dwight Grant, the you know the the nunchuck weapon specialist that is in Dwight Grant's UFC profile. I'm not making that up or shitting on Dwight Grant. Just saying. Um, and Gabe Green, I also believe that one of his yeah one of his losses at welterweight, and like you have to go for welterweight wins. You have to go to his um, amateur record where he has a welterweight title, uh, granted. Um, but, like, that was literally only, I think his only welterweight fights as an amateur was his first one. Uh, he did win by decision. That was his only decision, other decision that he's been to. The only decision that he's won was his first amateur fight back in 2014 at welterweight. And then he, like, fights three or four more welterweight fights that don't get really out of the first round for the most part um until he wins one in the first round at walter weight so again name round experience like he doesn't exactly have that on phil rowe either phil rowe's got the s- same reach as john jones um this guy can actually fight in the clinch um and if he's as good of a grappler has ever you know he's training with guys like jacare oh by the way um you know gabe green can switch stances but uh, he's got a nice south ball by the name of Leota Machida he's also training with. Uh, Gabe Green attacks legs and body more than the head. He's definitely going to need to do that here. That's good for Gabe Green and pressure. He's smart enough to know, and his corner sounds much smart enough to know. So that's going to be Gabe Green's path. However, speaking of leg kicks, uh, Phil Rowe also training with both of the Lima brothers this camp as well. Um, so he's training with everybody down there in South Florida. Uh, so... Um, I like Phil Rowe. I'm a believer. He's only 30 years old. Um, Gabe Green's a real tough guy that you don't want to bet against. He looks like he could show up in quiet spots. He can make you some money. Perhaps he's going to cost me money here and make you money if you're on the opposite side. But uh, I got a unit on the dog at plus 120 Phil Rowe here. I'll be writing him up about him in the line movement MMA betting sheet. All right, next fight. Uh, We got last fight. Uh... Lastly well, but not leastly, um Miranda Maverick plus one thirty five. I don't have a clever top gun reference and uh not gonna not gonna rip the aforementioned verbal tapcast. I think Kevin had a good one. Versus uh Jillian Robertson plus one fifteen. Jillian Robertson, uh you guys know I'm a big fan of Jillian Robertson. She's <laughs> I like her style, honestly, I do as a martial artist. And then she's got a great personality, although she's she, she definitely has like a girl auditioning for a rap video in porno vibes all over it. And, and <laughs> Jesus, Dan, you're really on yourself. <laughs> Stay on target. Stay on target. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I also do love me some 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 uh, some Jillian Robertson. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Dan. All right, stick to the breakdown. Um, I was actually looking at Jillian Robertson as, as a dog here, but maybe it's because I got burnt on that a couple times. But if you look at it, it's like girls that are athletic. Um, Gillian Robertson seems to have a problem with, right? Girls who can are athletic or uh, that can grapple. Talia Santos has the weird fight that throws us all off against Mara Borella. And then she really just looks like this athletic phenom that she's built to be on standing. And um, on the floor... Um, we also see Robertson lose to uh, Barber again. Complete athleticism, right? And just got eaten up by the left hand. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, she lost to Calvillo. Again, grappler, Brenna Silva, grappler athlete. Uh, so girls that can grapple. As good or better than her, or are as or better an athlete than her, are problems. That seems to be the clear delineating factor when looking down her resume. That is Jillian Robertson, and Miranda Maverick, who is a rank below her as a brown belt, um, looks all the legit for it. Top control, bottom, she can hit like her arm bars that she hits, and you know I was looking at, looking at her arm bars because that is the way that uh, um, Jillian Robertson has fallen. As I say that, I'm trying to think if I got something wrong on the previous matchup. I'm sorry. I got to look something up. Did Malian Martin get board? Did I make that up? No, she got rear naked choked. My bad. Wow. Uh, scratch that earlier note on the armbar for Pollyanna-Viana. That being said, I still feel like Viana's live. Um, the analysis hasn't changed. The armbar reference was bad. Sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, Maverick. Um, her armbar, she's got a bunch of them as an amateur and as a pro. Um, and Jillian Robertson that seems to be the culprit even though she's got obviously good arm bar herself so um, I also think Miranda Moravik, Maverick not as the creative wrestler but a good enough wrestler and very strong She's I think she's a more stronger and athletic girl um, so uh, I don't see like a big scrambling or wrestling advantage for Robertson despite she does the cool half guard stuff that I like and furthermore I mean, um, as much as I like Robertson, she's really inconsistent, whereas Maverick, she had, like, some eye issues or whatever, like, where, like, she could have lost her vision permanently. Something wasn't healed. I, f- I forget the story, but then you figure she's going to go use her grappling against Jojua and not take her armbar threat that seriously, because if you really look at Jojua, and I know I actually bet JoJo armbar in cash before that fight, um, but, like, you could also tell that, like, Maverick had a path there, but instead she stands with her, and I'm like, okay, that that might not be good. But then she shows like even more improved stand up, and then just puts on a clinic and busts her up to get a doctor stoppage at the end of the first round, right? So I'm like, okay, she's definitely got a standing advantage over Robertson. I could see why she was open as a favorite, and in fact, I think she was open at a near two to one favorite. So uh, if you're getting Maverick for anything under minus one fifty, is a deal for me, in my opinion. Um, I got her at minus 135. I put 1.5 units on that um, and played her straight up. Miranda Maverick here. Um, So, yeah, that's my pick. So we're going to go review. Sorry, a bit of a longer one, this one, 123. Oh, Jesus of a long one but all right reviewing taking usman over burns taking barb or, or taking grasso over barbara taking gastelum over Heinisch, taking green over miller taking marquez over patolo taking viera over hernandez taking muhammad over lima taking martin over viana taking gutierrez over Uhl, taking simon vato over kelleher taking row over green taking maverick over robertson didn't do any parlay straight took row as a dog plus 120 for one unit maverick minus 135 uh 1. 1.5 units hopefully we'll make our money get out of there and just enjoy the rest of the card props i wrote down marcus by sub question mark plus 550 usman by decision plus 105 i haven't sprinkled on those but those are the props that jump out to me take that for what you will Gaslam, Heinisch, Avoid, Verna, and or, uh, Martin, and uh, Viana. Um, I avoid it, doesn't mean you have to. All right, thanks, folks. Uh, Amazon on it, click throughs at mixedmartialanalyst.com, where there's also a PayPal if you're feeling generous. Um, subscribe on YouTube, like this video. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too long. Apologies. I got the timestamps for a reason and the recap at the end for a reason. Um, and uh apple apple (laughs) podcasts i will try to uh get on the other things as fast as possible it's been crazy uh with everything going on in life which i'll spare you because you guys don't care um but uh, i will continue to try to be better for you guys as i wish you all luck on your picks and plays this weekend and always protect Yannick.